What do you call two guys that were there when this happened? Back to return at Spurlock. Michael Spurlock at the 10. He's to the 20. He's to the 25. Or the 30. To the 40-yard line. We could see history. 50, 40, to the 30-yard line. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run, Michael. Run. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. There you go. And that 62-yard field goal attempt. It is good. Let's go. Eagles. Who can forget? Again, I'm looking again. Those up the middle. That's hey, intercepted at the Derek 30. Brooks. Derek Brooks, 30. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Derek Brooks, the most valuable player in the National Football League. There it is. The dagger's in. We're going to win the Super Bowl. We call them the Salty Dogs. Hello again, everybody, and welcome back to, I guess, the final Salty Dogs podcast of the 2019 season, even though we're Two days into 2020. Yeah, Happy New Year, buddy. Happy New Year, Jeff. I'm Scott Smith. That's Jeff Ryan. And we have an honorary salted dog with us, Casey Phillips. Woo, thank you guys for having me. Love to kick off the new year. Feel honored to be on this show. Well, you were actually requested. Wow. You were a requested guest. One guy sent us like a multi-part question, and one of them was, when are you going to have Casey on again? Wow. Well, he became my new favorite fan right there. <laughs> I don't remember his name. Though, my so reply was, doesn't Casey do enough? <laughs> <laughs> She's on every video already. Yeah, I mean, seriously. But this one is it sounds like particularly special. It sounds like he's getting on your case for working too hard, Casey. Yeah, I mean, that's rough. I don't know how I'm going to handle this burn, this sick burn over here. That, that's what you do when, the, when you're trying to get your next job. You say when they ask you, you know, what's your weakness? I just sometimes I just work. Too I care hard. too much. <laughs> I work too hard. All of my weaknesses are my strengths. So here's what you're here for, Casey, to join us in a sort of a, a wrap up of the whole season. Uh, we usually end up talking at length about the last game, but we're just going to take a bigger picture look here. Yeah, I agree. So we'll do with, we'll do things like uh, state our opinions on team MVP and things like that. But is there any topic you want to go over before we get to that, Jeff? No, I'm pretty good. I'm in kind of mellowed after the. Oh. Oh, are you mellow right now? Yeah, after the new year, or the, out with the old, in with the new. Okay, I'm pretty happy. So it's right a new now. mellow, less salty. Yeah, it's Jeff less salty because I've only been at work for two and a half hours yeah, right now, and there's no reason to jack. Does that mean me I'm out. gonna have to pick up my saltiness level yeah, to make up for yours? Yes, yeah, we need, exactly. We need a higher saline Why, content. You, you got something? You kind of. I I, I I have a number or a stat that okay. I think is the most incredible stat about our entire season. Wow. Okay, the five thousand yards. That's incredible, but I think this is more telling. I think this sums everything up. The Buccaneers led the league in points allowed off of turnovers with 128. You know, there was a bunch of pick sixes. There was a lot of turnovers. That was clearly the problem with the season, right? This team, take you know, put cut those turnovers in half, mm-hmm. give us the defensive turnaround we got in the second half and the obviously prolific abilities of the offense, and I think you're at least a winning team and maybe in the playoffs. So that's not the whole stat, though. Wait, there's more. Oh, but wait. wait. Oh, yeah. She's behind door, the too. I am. Please tell me. <laughs> Jeff had to quiz some some young people at uh, at, at lunch the other day. Where does that <laughs> some, come from? Some young people. Do you know where that comes you know from? Where, I mean, two? I know it comes from a game show, but, but not I which one? I don't think I can name you which one. It's uh, I thought of it the other day. Um, Wait, is it? Let's pre- make the deal. Let's, let's make, make a deal. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so what's behind door two is the fact that despite allowing the most points off turnovers, the Buccaneers actually outscored their opponents in points off turnovers. We had 130 points scored off of turnovers, really? which is fantastic. You lead the league in points scored off turnovers, you're usually in the playoffs. Unless Isn't you're also leading in uh, yeah. giving, giving them up. up. So doesn't that pretty much say that what it our does. season was? As as astounding as that is, it's not shocking. It just doesn't. Well, you saw it. On well, no, because this was the year of can you believe? <laughs> you know, it was can totally, you believe a quarterback can would have 5,000 yards? And, and then 30 for 30. Can you believe you had five turnovers in a game and you only lose by three points? Can you believe that? 
Can you believe you had a um, – you had – well, at the time they got hurt, you had the second and third leading receivers in the NFL. Jeez. And, and coach thought they would both get to 1,500. And then can you believe they both pulled hamstrings? <laughs> can you be, can so you, many things. Can you believe we have the sack leader in the NFL? Yeah. That's what I thought was cool about that stat is just what it shows about what our defense has been able to do to even create that many turnovers, to have that many options yeah. to score points. And to me, one of my can you believes was how many games we were saying that the defense saved the day, that yeah. after the identity of this Buccaneers team for several years, that we were used to saying, well, thank goodness our offense can score 40 points. <laughs> yeah. And this year there were several games that it was, man, thank goodness our defense held them, our defense forced turnovers. And it was just such a – it seemed like such a shift in narrative. It was about midseason where that shifted. Because, I mean, think of the Rams game, 55-40. to 40. The <laughs> yeah. defense didn't help a lot in that yep. one. Uh, they helped enough. They, yeah. they scored the winning touchdown. That's right. They didn't the give up touchdown. 56. <laughs> so there you go. All right. So that was that. Those that's, are our favorite stats, yeah, that's right? That's good stuff. Yeah, I like that. Can you believe we'd have the sack leader? Because a, we've never had it before. Even Warren Sapp, when he had sixteen point five, Leroy Glover had seventeen. But going into last weekend, because Chandler Jones went off in week sixteen, got four. Yeah, so he's at nineteen and Shaq's at sixteen point five. At that point, I'm thinking there's no, no way. way. Mm -hmm. And he got and it. I, and, he got and we actually talked about that a little bit because it looked like he was going to lead wire to wire. And, and then he loses it. And he, and he loses it. Right it. Yeah. That yeah. Awesome. Nothing like Shaq just letting us wait till the last minute, that last <laughs> game, really trying to hold on. And like, I almost, I love that JPP got several sacks the game before, but I wanted to be like, stop, let Shaq have one, <laughs> which is, I, I'm aware not how it works. But, but, I, but it's pretty cool on Bucks.com or on the app, you can see where they mic'd up. Shaq. Shaq. Yeah. And it's pretty cool that JPP was very excited for oh, yeah. him saying, you got it, you got it. If you haven't seen it, you they need to go. They might check three weeks in a row. Yeah, well, <laughs> Just, maybe this week, maybe this week, maybe this called week. called smart programming. Yeah. JPP ended up with 8.5 sacks. And he only played, what, 10 games? Something like that. And he wasn't really in total great football shape when he first got back. What do you think he would have had, and what do you think Shaq would have had if JPP had been here all year? Well, I'm of the uh, rising tide lifts all boats kind yeah. of uh, philosophy, so I don't think he would have seriously cut into Shaq's uh, total. But, yeah, if he'd have played the whole year and was, would be playing at the level he was playing at the end, you got to believe he makes it into double digits. That would be amazing, right? But we ended up with 47 sacks, which is the second most we've ever had. So yeah. the pass rush is there at least until March. <laughs> we figure out wow, what a big a downer so quick. <laughs> hey, only, I'm saying then we get him back, right? Only six minutes in the podcast, and you're already – all right, you ready for this roundtable type discussion? Yeah. Let's start with team MVP. All right, let me what, open this up. Open what up? Oh, you got some. You no, got some I don't. I have. This is really kind of embarrassing because Casey's sitting with papers in front of her. You're sitting in, with, with. I always have papers. With you papers in front of you. <laughs> I have nothing. All I'm doing is looking at. All I have is your email saying, okay. hey, here's what I want you well, to I'm think about. I'm also going to tell you so you don't really have to. Well, look I understand. Casey did a stacking the papers. Yes. Thing, I did. And you're lucky it didn't make any ambient I noise because Jeff hates ambient noise. Oh, man. Like, so. When you clack, crack, crack your knuckles, knuckles and everything. Or if you have a pen. Clicking the pen, yes. Oh, he hates it. Well, see, if I get asked to be on Salty Dogs, I'm going to come prepared. She's I'm going to come with my research. I'm ready. Thank I, you. I, you. know, I'm taking the show seriously, unlike JR unlike over the here. people who host here's, yeah. here's the thing. I don't need to write it down. I lived it. Oh, okay. Okay. It's all stored we'll up in his memory all, bank yeah. over there, yeah. All right, so you go first, Casey, as our guest. Who's the, who's the team MVP? Okay, Um. so... This was actually the one that I think I struggled with more than any of the others. All the others, like, I had things that right came to me. Bat. Yeah, real quick, I kind of So I really knew. put you on the spot there. You, right? I know. I was really hoping this was the one that I wasn't <laughs> going to go first on. But um, I decided to go with Chris Godwin. Um, I felt like it's the combination of not only what he did, but the fact that he made 
everybody else better that what he lets Mike then do. And the mm-hmm. fact that, again, we talk about how rare it is to have two teammates over a thousand yards, two teammates at the same position, making the pro bowl, that that is rare, that usually it is sort of more of a cannibalistic thing. One guy has an amazing year and it takes away from everybody else, but he was so reliable and made plays in big moments. And I think about his, you know, his catch in Atlanta for that long touchdown you know, early on when we're down three Oh, and there's been a couple turnovers. Like he was the kind of guy that could, really elevate the moment and the team and and open things up for Mike Evans and and keep Mike from being able to just only be the one doubled all the time. Um so yeah, I just I felt in his his work ethic, his locker room presence, everything that they talked about even as a rookie, he just didn't act like one at all. So his demeanor and then his actual just X's and O's abilities and then what he did for the rest of the offense overall for Jameis as a security blanket at times, I thought was really big. If we're at like a if we're in a this is a democratic debate or something. Yeah, I I think I think she said it all. Like I just say what That's she it. said. What she said, I win. <laughs> nah, well, I mean it's an I, interesting that would have been, take. That would, it would have been my number one choice as well. Yeah, cheers. I wrote mine. down three names: um, him and Shaq and Levante David. But I yep. think I'd go with Godwin in the end. See, I went with Levante David, mm-hmm. and the reason why I went with Levante David is because of his leadership ability that showed this year. That out of and some people would think out of nowhere. But Levante's a quiet leader. He's kind of a quiet guy anyways. But the presence he took command of the locker room and the fact that the defense was playing so poorly in the beginning and uh, the young guys were paying attention to him. And he was, yeah, he played, he had a good year. It gets overshadowed when you're not winning. But I think his leadership ability made him the MVP because we are not going to the playoffs. But I think where we got was because of his leadership. Yeah, that's a good choice. I agree I, with that, yeah. Uh, I, one of the good things about the last stretch of the season is I felt like people started to give Levante the love that he deserved. Right? Yeah. He was getting talked about a lot more, and he, he tends to be overlooked quite a bit, yeah, like I, as in the Pro Bowl vote. Yeah, I don't normally discuss or have, you know, say my conversations what I have with players, but I, I am going to share this because I thought it, I, I thought it was so telling I saw Levante uh, on Monday when we were, you know, players are leaving. Yeah. And um, we shook, gave a hug, and um, he said, I am so excited. And I said, really? And he goes, I am so excited for the young guys, how well they came together. And that's why I okay. say about that is he, he just said the, the, how quickly they were grasping once it came together, you know, once they started to understand. And if you start looking at the statistics mm-hmm. of the beginning of the year and where we end up yeah. this time, it's, it's, it's pretty strong. And, you know, we always hear that someone's got to be a leader. Someone's got to do something. And I was surprised during the year when uh, Bruce Arians made a comment, you know, what did you say after a game? He said, I didn't have to say anything. Levante David Levante did. Yeah, I think that was after that Tennessee game that mm-hmm. was such a brutal loss. And, yeah, you heard that it was that he really did go in there. And, and it is the fact you mentioned he's a, he's a quieter player in general. That, to me, makes it more um, – impactful when he does speak that if it's someone that's always talking there's maybe not that way to elevate it but because he is just more of a lead by example guy when he says something people listen because he does back it up with his play and there were there was the Tennessee game and I think one or two other games where you heard that if it was either at halftime or after the game he was the one really stepping in stepping up to say this is not who we are this is unacceptable and you could tell it made an impact on the guys it's the um, Tony Dungy Mm -hmm. theory Mm-hmm. He always said, you know, he was famously not didn't raise his voice much, and the players would say he was that kind. Of, he was that teacher at school that didn't raise your voice, but when he did, gave you a you look, paid attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah gave you a look. I, what I think it's fun too is, you know, we can 
discuss MVPs, but it's nice that we have a number of them. Agreed. And I can remember yeah. there are times that we, you were looking hard. Just going, eh, I guess it's Mike. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. By the way, we're not going to do any breaks in this one. We're going to go no. straight through. So if you came here for that great interstitial music. Then <laughs> yeah, you're not you getting just, anything. Right I mean, that's now. why I'm here. Yeah. So that's it. I'm leaving. <laughs> that means my life is simple. I drop it in and go. Here we go. Unless Casey starts cussing. Yeah. Like she well, yeah, like you know me. Like a sailor that she is. <laughs> you yeah. know me. Yeah. All right, next one. Biggest surprise of the season. Would you like to go first, Shift? Well, I think your biggest surprise for me would be Shaq. Yeah, I, 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 I just That was mine as well. I did not, you know, I knew he was a good player. Um, he's also a really pretty cool person. I think 19.5 you know? sex came as a big surprise to somebody named Shaq. I think, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But interesting enough, he was in Denver and we had him on the Salty Dogs and he had talked about how he, you know, he was learning behind Vaughn Miller. He was yeah. always in the back. The games he did play in in Denver, he was getting he a was sack. Pretty, yeah. He was getting a sack like almost per, one per game. I'm not saying he didn't believe in himself. No. He definitely believed himself. Oh, yeah. But his goal, as he said, was to get to double digits, and he almost doubled that. So. And and it's fascinating that, um, you know, he, he bet on himself, and I'm always a big believer. I'm well, betting on yourself. Huh? <laughs> he won. He yeah. won. I mean, he took a deal. He had a couple of options. He took a one-year deal. I mean, $4 million is a lot of money, yeah. but it's – it, it is amazing, and again, I also like to root for the guys that are really good guys. Yeah. And, got a and lot he's, of in this yeah, room, though. truly, truly. Um, I had that as my number one choice too, but I'll give one other choice: uh, the fact that the secondary came together, uh, you know, in the second half mm-hmm. of the season. Because you could, we've seen seasons, and very recently, where the secondary was struggling and it just never got better, right? And we were True. just at this time. At one point, you could you could reasonably be looking at this going, oh, man, the Bucks have really dropped a lot of assets into the secondary draft assets, and it's not happening. You're going to have to start over. And, you know, because we had Sean Murphy Bunting and Carlton Davis and Jamal Dean and MJ mm-hmm. Stewart yep. and Mike Edwards and Jordan Whitehead, all these were recent draft picks. So the fact that it came together changes everything. Yeah. And, and we didn't – now in retrospect, we can go, okay, I get it. They're, they've, they're young guys, I think – no offense, but I think the release of Vernon Hargraves helped kind of put the, you know, it made it easier for Levante David to, to be a leader, and it let these guys kind of forge their own path, and they decided to work harder and harder. Uh, that was the – that was a little bit of a surprise, mm-hmm. a very pleasant one. No, I Yeah, agree. Shaq was my pick as well. If I was going to go with another one, I think my, mine might be um, the way that Brashad Perriman finished the oh, year. Yeah, that's oh, yeah, that's – yeah. Because, I mean, he just at the beginning of the season just was almost a non-factor. Yeah. And when you thought that he was going to be your solid number three target, I mean, yes, again, Mike and Chris are taking a lot of your targets. And, and Coach kept talking about how it was just opportunities. From, but right up, right I away. Agree. All yeah. the time. It's just opportunities. It's just, but, like, you know coaches are going to say that regardless, you know, because yeah. they're not going to. So you didn't know if it was true. So, yeah, I mean, like, you, you, don't, you know a coach isn't going to want to trash a player of, like, oh, yeah, well, he's not doing what he's supposed to. Like, he, I mean, Bruce will occasionally call guys out like that we've seen. But I was like, okay, is it really opportunities? Or usually, though, if, like, you – you really force them to give you opportunities almost if you're playing well enough. And I just didn't really know what he was going to pan out to be. And then, man, he proved that really was yeah. what it was. It was just opportunities. It's hard to be the number three guy on this team. Yeah. yeah. Bruce said that on, on the show that I do with him, that he said that usually anyone outside of the number one and two guys, and maybe even the number two sometimes, are going to walk in on Monday and be a little upset. Yeah. The, but he said, <laughs> you know, you, you, always, you love guys that want the ball. Everyone wants the ball. And he said, there's only so many to go around. And usually if you're a number 
three guy, you're not getting it very often. There was somebody threw a stat at Brashad when he was talking on Monday it's, uh, along the lines of, you know, in the first half of the season, you were only catching like 33% of your targets, and now here at the end it's up to 70. And I'm like, okay, this is really a bad sample size issue here because mm-hmm. it was like six out of his first 18 or something like that. And targets are a, a, kind of a dumb stat that coaches hate because – you, you know, sometimes you're targeted, but the it's not really catchable. Well, and he was such a deep ball threat that he's getting a right. lower percentage type of a pass. That's you know, yeah. he's not getting these five yard slants that right. are a lot more gimme than a sixty yard bomb. So exactly. that's also not fair to compare him to other guys. Well, and you also pointed out um, when he was with Cleveland, he came on in the second half of the year, and yeah. it seems same here. It seems like he's that guy. So if you're ever going to make a playoff run, that's the guy yeah, you Jeff want. Just wants to put him in like a. Uh, hermetically yeah. sealed bag until midseason. Eight games bring in, out. bring him out, and he's pretty solid. Very good. All right, let's move on. All right. What was your best – what was the best or most enjoyable game for you this year? I guess it's my turn yeah, to go Yeah, your turn to go first. Yeah, you go first. Uh, it was the Rams game probably. It was yep, just, that's what it I picked fireworks. too. Fireworks. It was yeah. so much fun. It was. And, and you, you went there at the beginning of that – how many ever, many weeks in a row it was that we were going to be away from home – and it was the very beginning of it, and it looked awfully daunting. And, in fact, it did prove to be. But getting that first win in L.A. against a team, I know they missed the playoffs, but at the time, you they, were they were undefeated. They were undefeated. They had been in the Super Bowl. They I mean, just got done beating the Saints. And you got – yeah, that's right. And then it made that five-and-a-half-hour plane flight home a lot better, right? A lot more tolerable when you're I, getting in I, at four in the morning. <laughs> well, I liked it, too, because uh, the game previously was such a letdown. Yeah, that was part of so, what made me pick it was the, the fact that the Giants game. game. Yeah, it was such a letdown. So then you go to this game, and I think you saw what the team could be. I think that was what you kind of stood the there offense. and went, yeah. You went, holy smokes, this is this is something special. But then the defense did what they needed to do to win the game. Yeah, and, they got four takeaways in mm-hmm, that game. You know, you, you kind of forget that because there were yeah. so many points that they allowed. That's they did get four yeah. takeaways Sue in it. Sue scored the touchdown. And one of the one of the touchdowns for the Rams was actually a pick six, so you can't blame them for that one. Mm-hmm. That's also true. But yeah, I just thought also that getting to watch Sue scoop and score at the end against his former team, and there was just so much to it that storyline-wise, and, yeah. and it did feel like after that Giants game, that kind of game can be defining in so many ways when it is such a brutal loss. And to see that the team would respond the way they did gave me hope that no matter what happens this year, it's not going to mean a permanent downslide after a negative game. Like they, 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 it didn't become contagious. And I thought that is why they were able to even finish the year the way they were, is that this was a team that didn't care what had happened the week before, that each game really they, they were coming in ready to do work. My, uh, go ahead. My runner-up was the indie game. Just because it was it was wild and it was back and forth, yeah. and we made a couple really good comebacks, and mainly because it was at home, mm-hmm. we needed to show that kind of game to the home crowd. What, yeah. what, what I what I liked about the Rams game is it it made me think, holy smokes, look at this offense, look what this offense can do, yeah. and so there and was it could have and it was we, a hope factor. You lo- you lose Mike Evans and Chris Godwin down the stretch, and Scotty Miller too. That kind of makes it. Rough. I know Brashad stepped up, but you know it was. Yeah. Well, it's a different. I think game it made it easier for defenses to figure yeah. us out, and you saw that in the last game. You only had to worry had about one guy. Twenty-two points at halftime and none afterwards, mm-hmm. and you go to overtime. So, of course, the kicking game was an issue there. Okay. All right. Well, how about your least enjoyable game, Casey? Carolina in London. We all have the uh, same We all answers. pick the same things for everything. <laughs> I mean, you have to go with, I mean, seven turnovers. I hated that game. That was so brutal, and it was they were leading the whole game. It never felt close. It was no close. fun at all. It was, yeah, there was not a time when you're like, oh, maybe. No, it just it, felt from beginning it, to end. And it allowed the Carolina fans to take over. 
And so it was like yes, it was, it was supposedly it felt, a home game. But it very much felt like a road game, which was very brutal. Was and you brutal. everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. Because you remember, that's even the game that Bobo Wilson muffed some punts. That's right. Mm-hmm. And was when we ended up releasing him after that. Yeah. And I just think, I mean, when you have seven turnovers and muffed punts, it just it was like, God, nothing can go right here. And then you know that when you talk about how great it was to have that long flight home from L.A. after yeah. a win, <laughs> talk about a nine-hour f- overnight flight on the way home from London. And there also just is so much buildup to that game because yeah. it's the London game mm-hmm. that if that game actually happens at home and it happens exactly the same way, yes, it's still brutal, but it's not. it doesn't feel as weighty in some ways because – it, it was London and you 100%. go early and it's this whole international scale thing. So it just, it was everything that could have gone wrong, went wrong. I remember after the first play, I, my head dropped and I went, we came all this way for this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's how I felt. That's how I felt because it is, it's a brutal trip. It's, there it's, there it, were a lot of games, especially down the stretch where it started off bad when mm-hmm. we were able to rally. This time it just never happened. And we started to get a little bit close. You started to believe it was possible, and then the Boba Wilson yeah. muff punt. Well, you weren't really sure if you were able to come back. And then as the season went, a pick six didn't bother you at all. It was like, okay, game <laughs> okay. on. Let's go. So, yeah, that I will say my second least favorite game was the Giants game. Oh, yeah. And uh, that game, I thought it was an exciting game. It was a game. Well, because of the way it ended. The right? way it ended. And because it was going to be – the way it ended, and then it was the start of being on the road for seven straight right. weeks. And usually you, you go back and look at a game you lost, and you go, ah, if that play had happened, that play had happened, mm-hmm. it probably comes out differently. But you don't know for sure. Like the Tennessee this, game, if, right. they had le- if they'd allowed that, punt or that right. fumble return, we feel like we probably would have won, but you don't know uh, for sure. No, because there's still time this on the game, clock. This yeah. game, when it's a kick at the end of regulation yes. to win it, you, can very, much you say. can very much say that's what happened. I will say, I will say you know, we were talking about Best games. I do want to throw in. I thought the Seattle game ranked up there as great. a great it was game. Very enjoyable. Game. It was a good, and it sucked that you that that we lost, but it was a fun game. It was entertaining, and I and I, I don't care what anybody else says. Had we won the coin toss, I think we would have won because I think both defenses uh, were exhausted. Yeah, somebody might point to week seventeen. Yeah, I know. I knew, to to say say. I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. At least you could say that we yeah, managed at that to. Point. We yes. managed to keep our well, we, overtime we, we, short. But the good news, the reason why I say we are going to, the reason why I was going, the reason why I feel that way is, you got to remember, Jameis did march them down to tie the game. Yeah, he, he had a great so game. So he was on a roll at that yep. point. Yep, it's a great yeah. point. And in uh, and in the, our last game. You brought it up. We scored 22 points in the first half. We didn't score anything in the second half. Yeah. All right, Jeff. You want to go first? I don't know. Do you got a best offensive play of the whole season? By the way, let me point out, I have a few questions we could sprinkle in, and I should read this because this guy didn't know we were going to do this. And he said, Happy New Year, Salty Dogs. Since news, music, and sports media are looking at the best of 2019, why not get the Salty Dogs best of 2019? Like best offensive play and best defensive play. Wow. Hope you both have an off- awesome offseason and look forward to next year. Go Bucks, Kent Denny. From Tampa, we've heard. Thanks, Kent. Wow, yeah, so, he, he nailed it. Yeah, you were you, you read our mind. Actually, I responded um, and let him know the best offensive. Play. So this segment is brought to you by Kent Denny of <laughs> from Tampa. I am going to say Chris Godwin Detroit game. Which play? The the touchdown, the one handed grab. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, the one where he's falling backwards like yes. that? Yes. Okay. That's right, yeah. Yeah, that was a t- tough play. That's that right. did show off his skills, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, I had forgotten about that one. Even Bruce talked about how he couldn't believe that he came away with it, that everybody went from thinking it was a pick to being a touchdown. I forgot about that one. That's good. Yeah. You know, this is a weird one for me because the one that jumped out right away to me, 
is actually the play in which Mike Evans got hurt. So it's hard to say oh, yeah. it's the best play of the year, but it was indicative of what this team can do. It was a 61-yard touchdown, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. But it also was just Jameis sees, I probably single high coverage. Mike's out here. Hey, beat your guy off the line, straight fly. And we we hit that play a lot this year, even with Brashad Perryman. Mm-hmm. And and it's when, when Jameis is on and Mike's healthy, it just kind of shows what this offense can do in a, in a moment. Now, it's – Maybe not the best choice for the best offensive play since Mike has suffered a season-ending injury on it, but mm-hmm. it's the one that immediately pops out in my head. I'll wait till you guys are done. I do have a second one. Okay. So I I went more of the favorite offensive play as oh, compared I know to the be. best. It's Vita That was my that was yeah. my yeah. You, ha- you have to. Yeah. It's funny because I thought about jokingly just like eliminating some of my workload here and saying that was my favorite offensive and defensive play of the year <laughs> since he's a defensive player that it could count for both. Um, I just thought that it was so fun and. I, I mean, and it's also really impressive that you have someone like him that can be such a weapon in so many different ways. Um, and just and it spoke to Bruce Arians talking about how their whole staff was all about looking at the players they had and using them in the ways that they are yeah. best capable. I mean, yeah. there is no better example of yeah, that. He, than, he said that putting Vea in there in that role was not a gimmick. He said he was our best choice on this roster. The best choice for this job that we want is Vita Vea. Yep. And so I thought that was great. And I... I felt like it was sort of also at a turning point in the season when that that win in Atlanta was a really big deal. And it was um, when the team just started being able to have fun again, that they, you know, they'd had this losing streak and it just it felt like, man, like this has been so rough. And, you know, this long road stretch and all these sort of points of adversity. And that felt like this moment of, man, we can really celebrate what we're becoming now. So, yeah. And Dirk Cutter was a little scorned on that one because look what he did. Yeah. The last game. He's like, I see your big man touchdown. Yeah, I see your big man touchdown. And I raised raised you because Mm -hmm. it's not a two-yard pass. No. You don't see that kind of big man touchdown. 31 yards, was it? He had to run like 22 yards after he caught the ball. Trusting (laughs) a big man to have the ball for that long (laughs) is impressive. That's what Bruce was saying and why they did this with Vane. It was like, he doesn't have to go anywhere. He doesn't have to secure the ball. We had him on the show, and if you watch it now and think about him saying this, he said, first of all, when he caught it, he was certain there was somebody right behind Mm -hmm. him. He thought he was going to get hit right away. That's why he's like tucking the ball. All right. And then he ran almost to the back of the end zone, and he told us he didn't realize he was in the end zone yet. He was just making sure he was in the I end zone. I am going to score no matter what. He's about to do a force Gump and just keep running yeah, out of the building. Right to the tunnel. <laughs> I thought of one other two that would be a runner for me, and I'm glad it's Chris Godwin because he had so many great plays. Mm-hmm. But remember, I think it was in Atlanta. Yeah, that was the one I brought up earlier when I talked about him being the MVP. Oh, that, that was the play was you the were play talking about? Yep. I didn't get a picture of him in my mind until now, but it's the one where he kind of caught it between two guys, yep. and yep. then the, the linebacker fell off and – he actually had to, I think, stiff arm one of them off of him, and it was pretty great. Yeah, that would have been my second choice as well after the Vita Vea one. I loved that play. I thought that spoke so much to him and just his ability to be so slippery. And he can do it all, really. He can, yeah. yeah. It doesn't matter where he, you put that ball, he'll get the it. The first guy, there was a play in, maybe it was in the last game when he got hurt, where he caught the ball around the 10, and there was one defender. I'm like, he's not going down at the 10. That mm-hmm. first guy, very rarely does the first defender get Chris Godwin down, unless he's catching it in a defenseless way. Mm-hmm. But if he catches it with any room to maneuver, he's off. The first guy almost never gets him yep. down, which is pretty great skill to have. Uh, okay, um, best defensive play. I think it's my turn. Go ahead. Go. Um, mine, mine is the Jamal Dean interception in the Arizona game. Just, first of all, it was a game-changing play. We were losing. They were about to go up by another score, probably, and it set up the game-winning score. But moreover, it also was really the first inkling of what we had there. It was, mm-hmm. it was the one where he said he – 
he knew what was going to happen because he'd been doing all that extra tape study with Todd Bowles, and he saw the alignment. He's like, there's only one place this throw's going. And that, that was a result of extra study. So not only was it a critical play, it also was a really good emblem of what was going to happen in the second half of the season. That's a great one. Yeah, that would have been that was one of my second okay. choice ones, so I like that one as well. Um, I picked uh, – I, I sort of had a tie in my mind with these two. Uh, Devin White's two different fumble recoveries for touchdowns. Um, I couldn't really pick between the two because I felt like the one against the Jags was more important because of what it actually meant for the, the game yeah, and, and yeah. a win. Um but when you return it for what 91, 91 yards, longest fumble yeah. return. In yeah, then history. I was like, why? So I can't decide. Even though we lost that game, like they were just kind of tied in my mind. And then I thought I kind of put them together, you know, with the idea that he was the he's, you know, what is it, the first rookie to score touchdowns on defensive fumble recoveries, two, multi- of, them. two of them since 51. 51. It's incredible. So I felt like those kind of package deal. Those those were my my favorite. By plays. the way, um, let, this is a good place to mention that today it was announced in the morning that uh, Devin White was named the NFL Defensive Player of the Month. I think we often say NFC, but it's actually just yeah. an NFL. It's, yeah. it's not split up by conferences. And uh, he's the first guy – he won in November, too. And he's the first guy to win it two consecutive months since Brian Cushing in 2009. And they've been giving this award away since, ni- like, 1984. Would he be the first rookie to get it? Well, it's, it's just Defensive just, Rookie of the Month, so oh, it's, it's already – Oh, it's yeah. Rookie Did I month. say player? I'm not sure, but I – Yeah, Defensive yeah. Rookie. Okay. He's the first yes. guy to win that in consecutive months since Brian Cushing in 2009. So he had he was basically the most impactful defensive rookie in the league for the second half of the season. And you know he had the knee injury, and Bruce always talks about how that really slowed him down at first. But you saw the player they said we were getting when we picked him fifth overall. And is, it's really exciting. Isn't he the first buck to get it twice? He's the first buck to get it twice ever. Yeah. But, yeah, not, Levante won it once and Noah won it. Noah Spence but won But he's the won. first to get it twice. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. So Yeah, yeah I, I, I think I they made the right choice. Yeah. yeah, I think so. I have to go with the 91-yard run. You know, I timed that. Last night, I, w- I found, found it on YouTube and timed it from the moment he touches the ball till when he scores. It was like 10.12 seconds. Jeez. Wow. He is a very fast individual. Yeah, he is. 91 yards and 10. Like, isn't a great 100-yard – do they do 100 meters, don't they? Right, yeah. yeah. You're aging yourself. By I'm just trying yards. to figure out how fast that is, if that's really good. It seems really good. He looked really fast. Yeah, and he's carrying the ball, which slows you down, too. But yeah, I remember his 40 time at the combine. That was the thing that ever that got Four, us three, eight, I think. really yeah. excited. I mean, I thought about it between him, Jamel Dean, and then maybe was it Bundy that we had three guys that their 40 times. Jamel Dean was, I think, the fastest. The, corner. Yeah. So yeah. and I think that Devin was one of, if not the fastest linebacker. Too. We have some of the guys that were really setting they the combine speed. on fire. They said that mm-hmm. they, they wanted a lot more speed on defense. I kind of agree with both of you though, because Jamal Dean, his interception sealed the deal for right. the game. So you kind of have to, you kind of remember set that. Up the winning touchdown. But, but Devin White having, uh, the year that he had being injured and still coming back and playing strong. I think, you know, you can, the guys is, I've never seen anybody as fast as he is. And sometimes he's too fast because you see him sometimes <laughs> run over the play, which is not a bad thing because eventually he'll figure out the adjust yeah. his speed. But I, I would go with uh, the 91 there was a There was a stretch in the Giants game when it seemed like Shaq Barrett was getting a sack every two seconds. <laughs> and that was yeah. <laughs> as a group of players. Oh, uh, yeah. 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 He yeah. ended up with four but didn't win defensive player of the week because they never give it to a losing team. Which is know. just rude. Which is, yeah. He won it the week before, so. All right, uh, top 
unanswered question. <laughs> I have no idea. Right. At the end so, of the season. So here's what I did. I mean, everyone knows it's the Jameis thing. Other so than I the decided thing. to say that, like, other than that, because duh. So what I went with <laughs> is who is going to be back from the defensive front. So sort of D-line, outside linebacker combination, which I figured is what we'd all go with on the uh, other than Jameis. That's thing. right. Yep. Um, 19 players on this team could become unrestricted free agents. That is incredible. And seven of those are outside linebacker or D-line people. If you'd like to know the names, you can look up. I wrote a story about that on Tuesday, I think. But yeah, Sue, JPP, Nassib, Shaq. I mean, man, this is... There is the potential for a coach ton. wants them all back, by the way. Right, That's of course he does. He's also not the one having to deal with the salary cap. You know, like our guy Mike Greenberg, who's the one who does that, is probably back there sweating, hearing. <laughs> it's like I want him all back this. too, but yeah. And then he, and even when he's like talking everybody up so much, don't you know they're over there like you're driving Shh. the price up, shush. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I think that. The only guys who really aren't, I think, are, are what Golston, Vita, and Anthony Nelson. That's about it That's in right. terms yeah. of yeah. the defensive line and Maybe outside Patrick linebackers. Um, and I just think that not only is it important just because of what they did, we've talked so much about the young secondary and how important it has been, the change that they've been able to have, the growth, and that do we really you know, think that this group is what it takes to, to get the job done? Well, so much of that is dependent on how long do they have to cover. And yeah. you know, when you're, they're still going to be young next year, that – even though, yeah, they're not going to be rookies anymore, they're still going to be very young. And the more help you can give them up front, the better. So to me, that is just such a massive part of this team's success moving forward is do you still have the pressure that you had this year? You know what's great about when you look at the – you start looking up the numbers to demonstrate what we all saw, that the defense pulled a big 180 in the second half of the season, right? Uh, so much improved. Is that usually when I think about those stats, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to look up how many yards per game we allowed – in the first half and the second half and, and show the big difference that way. And there was a difference, but that's not where the it really shows up. Where it shows up is we is the play, the playmakers, the plays that were being made. Like, I don't remember exactly, but I wrote it in a story, something like led the league in passes defensed, led the league in quarterback hits, was up there in sacks, was up there in interceptions, was up there in turnovers, takeaways, fumbles, force, fumble recovers, the plays. And I think that's a Todd Bowles defense and personally after watching the style defense we've been playing for previous years I like this a lot more and I don't care about the yards because that's what the NFL is now mm -hmm. it's making plays right yeah I would agree with that and I, I I think his defense is really fun to watch it is I mean all the blitzes all the different things he's calling up and dialing up and it's and I I noticed such a theme this year in all the different radio shows that I did when I would bring a player on and I would ask every one of them if they were on the defense about Todd Bowles, his scheme, his system, what they liked about it. All of them were so fired up. Their, their <laughs> eyes would sort of light up. They're like, I love his scheme and his system. It, it lets, it's fun. It's got different stuff. It lets us do a bunch of different things and it lets them play aggressive. And I think that's why we saw such a shift in the second half of the season is when you're being called to be that aggressive, you have to be instinctive and reactive that it's you've got to be going immediately. And if you're having to think about what you're doing, it's not going to work very well. So you saw when they really understood the scheme, when it started clicking, where it was reactionary yeah. and not something you were having to think about each play, that's when the shift happened. I, I What I like about the D-line is, and it's pretty impressive when you start thinking about all the different personalities that came in on that line and got, and, and how they all mesh together. I mean, you there brought, like, you brought Via Vea is always so loud and brash. Yeah, and and then bringing Sue in, you know, that was, was a, a great that leader. was that was a great. He was a very good leader, and that was a big. You know, we kind of go by the wayside, but you know, Gerald McCoy leaves, and they fill that gap with with Sue, and he provides and the play and the leadership. Yes, 
Yep. And and then and then you have JPP who is the fiery, out, yeah. fiery guy, but he comes back in gets everybody and gets up. everybody going. It is such a good combination of the subdued, calm leadership and mm-hmm. the fiery leadership. And I think that on the defensive line, you do kind of need this balance that I think that Sue and JPP really are kind of a nice tandem there. And then you have guys like Shaq and Vita that like they're they'll be fired up, but they're just kind of these good good guys that are good locker room guys that everybody likes. And I think about even how Vita would talk about how um, he had started calling Sue big girl just yeah. to get him to smile and, and crack a little bit. And I just, I not thought that was. everyone can do that, by yeah, the way. Yeah. I, I, would I suggest that. not yelling yeah, down if, the hall. If you, if hey, you see Sue, if you see <laughs> Sue in public, I would not recommend trying that First out. First of all, you need to be bigger than him and not many people are. Either, yes. either that or you got to be like all the way down the hallway when you yell it. Yes. You got to be ready to run. And then you go, no, no, I wasn't talking about you. Yes. They were behind Somebody you. Somebody else. Yeah. So, yeah, to be specific, I had the exact same thing, obviously, the free agent losses. And I don't think I don't think the betting man would think we're going to get all of those guys back. That would be hard. It doesn't seem likely. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be where does this team put its priorities between Shaq, Sue, Carl Nassib, JPP and so on? I think it's going to be interesting to see how much of it is about our priorities of who we want to bring back as compared to just what other teams end up yeah, offering these guys. Right. It may end up depending more on what other teams think of them even than what we do because we might be prioritizing a certain guy all day long, but if, you know, like let's say if Shaq is, let's say Shaq's our top priority. I, I don't know, but they've, they've seemed to make it pretty clear they want him back. 19.5 Seems with- like a safe bet. So let's say he's our top priority. Let's say JPP is your second and you you value him like crazy and want him back, but let's say another team makes him their top priority in the position that we did with Shaq, yeah. it's going to be hard to compete against that. It's going to be hard to get it done. Sorry, Mike Greenberg. Yep. Would rough, you? Rough I'm day. just curious. You don't have to answer this. Just just a thought when you were when you're talking about this. Would you would you let a guy like Shaq go because of what he's going to cost you? No. And you get to keep a couple others. It's a valid point, but no. Yeah, I'm the same way. I'd keep I'd keep okay. the surefire star producing yeah. guy, and it's, that's so hard to find. It's so and hard to find an edge rusher. And let's not for, edge and let's not forget he's what 27 now. He's 26. Yeah, he'll be he 27. Be and doesn't have the miles on him that a guy has that was the big yeah. starter. You know that yeah. when he's getting to play behind Von Miller, that that keeps his body fresh a little bit longer. And, and I don't think he was fluky. Like it, it, no, you you saw it, real legitimate pass rush skills, the bend to get around the corner. Yep. And I and I agree with that because. In the last game of the year, he got three sacks. So they had figured they had him out. The tape, what, yep. Yeah, and they could have his... been doubling him. Even yep. when we saw that he was all of a sudden the one getting all the attention, he was still producing. And the other thing about his longevity that I think is important is he talked about how he was late to the party of understanding how to take care of your body. Mm. That he says that he looks at pictures of himself now from like end of college like without a shirt on and he's like, Oh gosh. Like, like he said that himself that he's like, man, like it's crazy how you can maybe even weigh the same thing, but your body composition just be so different. And so I think that he's made leaps and bounds and changes in his diet and just all these things about the way he's taking care of his body over the last few years that if he's been producing the way that he had up to this point, it, I think it can only get better moving forward. You know, it's funny if you look at it back during the draft, we were picking fifth and it was a good draft for what people considered were good edge rushers. And then it was pretty clear that we liked Devin White quite a bit. And a lot of the mock drafts were giving us Devin White. Mm-hmm. And somebody, I'm not sure who, but if I had a mirror in here, I'd probably be able to pick him out. Mm-hmm. Uh, really felt like, yeah, Devin White's a one-of-a-kind player, but it's so hard to find an edge rusher. I kind of hope we take a, like a Josh Allen or something. Yep. 
they knew what they were doing. They they took the guy that would, that could make the impact all over the field, and they found an edge rusher anyway. Yeah, yep. that's why they do Pretty what they awesome. do, and that's why we just talk about it. <laughs> all right, one more. All right, it's a little bit different because it's yeah. kind of looking ahead a little bit. What player do you think might make the leap in twenty twenty? I'd have to say Dean. I okay, think so I, he I, I, you wouldn't give him the leap yet. He's, I don't I don't give him the leap yet. Um, once he learns to catch the ball every time yeah. it's thrown to him. I think that's more of a Carlton Davis Yeah, issue. well, same. <laughs> it seems like all those guys. Yeah, if they, they start catching they, the ball better, they'll all They all the need lead. to stand by the jugs machine and start working out because if they all start. Sean catches the ball pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, which well, he, he likes does. to throw in the rub. Well, he oh, does. Yeah. He does bring it up. His little smile, his little grin, sure <laughs> hands. Yeah, I I think that uh, uh, I think okay. it would be huge. It would be huge, huge for the team. How about um, Anthony Nelson? Oh, uh, that's a by, Based on the fact that a, I know they loved him when when we got him in the fourth round. I think mm -hmm. uh, they were ecstatic upstairs. They thought we got a total steal. And they, he was playing in the rotation before he got hurt. That hamstring injury knocked him out for like eight games. Yeah, but he you was kind of forget playing. about him. But yeah, yeah. And uh, you, there's nothing in the stats yet that would. I think he had one sack that you would go crazy over. Mm -hmm. But think about the fact that we may not be able to get all these guys back. And he might. We're going to need somebody to step up. Good point. And they love his talent. He seems like a smart kid. Yeah, I think that's great. I have a, a mainstream choice and I have a sleeper choice. Oh, I okay. Like it. Um, the sleeper choice will be for the serious Bucks fans that, like, you have to really be a serious Bucks fan to know who this person even is. So, uh, my first John one. John Franklin? No, but okay. that would be great. <laughs> uh, my, my mainstream choice is Carlton Davis. And okay. the reason that I say that I think him for the leap idea is that um, what has always been sort of the best and worst part of Carlton is his aggressiveness right. that he plays mm -hmm. with, his physicalness and his excitement and, and energy and all of that. And it's great because it makes him make some big plays, and it's terrible because it makes him be penalized a fair amount. And we saw the penalties just almost disappear as, at that midway point in the season that he ends up getting hurt. He misses some time, and he uses it to really delve into film. And it just seemed like the same way we talked about Jamel Dean having that shift after the Seattle game where he really learned how to mm -hmm. learn, essentially, and right. learned, spent all that time with Bowles and mm -hmm. looking at the film. It felt like Carlton Davis had a similar epiphany almost of how to still play with aggressiveness, but rein it in just enough to make it legal. Yeah. <laughs> and I felt like the just if we can get rid of those penalties from him. And then he also started, you know, I felt like the defining moment for him also was when Hargraves left that all of a sudden he's being asked to always consistently be on the number one guy. And we saw how he shut down DeAndre Hopkins. Mm -hmm. that it just felt like he elevated to the role he was being called upon when Hargraves left. So the leap for him, because for both him and Dean – and Murphy Bunting kind of showed in the second half they they're good mm -hmm. cornerbacks. Yeah. The leap for him would be to become recognized as one of the better cornerbacks. Yes, an, an actual lockdown guy that you don't want to throw in his direction. Yeah, that'd that's be awesome to that, have. Yeah, um, my sleeper choice is. I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, this I am too. I know Dakota Dixon. Oh yeah, good because call. Coach mentioned hand that. me the book. Yeah, <laughs> it's and the this safety is my from point. Wisconsin. <laughs> so he comes in undrafted guy. I mean, not even slated to make the team. A real, a real pain in the ass though. Yeah, yeah. He's just no, he's legitimately the, the nicest person ever. He, I think we had him on the podcast. He won the award in college for essentially being like an amazing person. It's the Jason Witten. <laughs> they like, just made it up. It's character like, award that's really? just like yeah. It's it basically the award is like you're an incredible human. <laughs> so he has an incredible story that I'm not even going to get into like full details of because my plan is to do like an in-depth interview with him this, oh, this off season and, and get into like his, his upbringing, his background. Yes. Salty so I'm dogs. not going to spoil all of that, but he has an incredible story comes here as an undrafted guy, not set to make the team. And then just slowly you watch during training camp, 
he's like your sixth safety, then he's your fifth, then he's your fourth, and he's slowly moving up. And all of a sudden, he's running with the starters. Yeah. And I, I was like, man, I wonder like how much this is really indicative of how they feel about him. And it seemed like the coaches were saying some good things about him. And honestly, then he ends up hurting his shoulder. Yeah. But what's crazy is you found out that he he was injuring it while this was going on. He was moving up the depth chart while struggling with his shoulder, but like slipping oh, he, in and out of socket. Like well? that oh. he he tried to kind of go right. through because of course you know how it is when you're an undrafted guy and you're trying to make the team. Like yeah, you're not gonna. And finally, it just it was like slipping in and out of socket all the time. Like he and and to realize that he was <laughs> yeah yeah I love that I'm in here and you guys are the ones that get the heebie. Well, I've had that, that injury twice. That's fair. I get the way with these things. You so just I get bang it up against the George I am door not jam. Mel and, but while not being 100 percent healthy climbing the ranks like yeah. that and then it wasn't until coach's press conference this last yeah, week when he mentioned it to, yeah. that he said that he actually said i think he would have been one of our starting safeties wow he yeah. had a yeah. shot at that and i was like wow okay so i that really did mean what i thought it meant watching him in training camp so sleeper. i think yeah. i don't think we're gonna have time to get to these questions here why not but, but one of them you did got time what are you worried about this is the beauty of a lunch? podcast yeah we got all the time in the world what well you, okay then i'll just we can it, there's three questions in, here and one in, of them in from, case you're worried you only have 43 minutes okay you're fine. this guy's name is justin Whitaker, he's a Bucks fan from Indianapolis. Uh, he said, thanks for the great podcast. And he says he's a big fan of the show. Great. Uh, one of his questions is, Justin Evans being hurt all year, what is the plan with him? Is he coming back as the starter? And if so, do you think he will mess up the chemistry with this young secondary? And th that's actually how Coach came to talk about uh, Dakota, because he was asked about what he thought about the secondary, where the state of it. And he said, I think we're fine at cornerback. Uh, we may need to add somebody at safety, but they said, but maybe not, because as Casey was just saying, he said Dakota Dixon had a chance to be the starting strong safety before he got hurt, and he'll mm -hmm. be back. And, he, and then he said, and maybe Justin Evans, and then he was pressed a little bit on Justin Evans, and he said, it's too early to tell. He recently had another procedure, I guess, on his foot, and mm -hmm. he said the surgery apparently went well, but it's going to be a couple months. But if, if he's ready to go by the offseason – because he never really got back last year. Mm -hmm. So he hasn't really had a chance to sh to see if he could be good in this defense. It will be not. hard, though, knowing that, again, he doesn't have any of those reps in this new scheme. And yeah, that's yeah. tough. As it's we talked about, battle. that's, I mean, that is what we talked about as being what changed for them is that they got to start playing instinctively instead of reactively. And he it's going to be a while before he's at that point. Yeah. So you better hope he's back for the entirety of the offseason program to try to get some of those right. out of the way. So then you'd have him. You'd have Jordan Whitehead. Mike Edwards. Mm -hmm. Mike Edwards, who they drafted because they thought it was a good fit for this defense. Uh, I, I think you'd have to resign. Truly, the team's in good shape if they can just figure out the D line. Yeah, well, <laughs> if they can just figure out if we can get the right guys resigned. Yeah. yeah, if you can figure out those, oh, I don't know, 19 guys that we mm -hmm. don't know if they're going to be back. So, do you have a player making a leap? I did. Oh, I did mine. Oh, you went first? Yep. I've, Jeff's stuff, I just forget it <laughs> like two minutes later. Do you have one? I did one, Anthony Nelson. Oh, okay, that's right. You guys don't even listen to each other. <laughs> listen to this over here. It's like an old married couple. Yes. Doesn't even hear each other Selective hearing at this exactly. point. <laughs> well, all right, then. We're done, then, so if you, you really aren't in a rush. You got any more questions? Uh, this also said, do you think we bring back all the D-line starters for next year, or the majority of them? I think we already covered that. Mm -hmm. uh, what, do you, what do you think is the plan with Jameis, if I knew that? We'd be making a lot of money yeah. if we had that idea. Um Bruce has said a lot of things on both sides of it, and I don't think there's – he. okay, let's put it this way. He told them on Monday that he thinks the evaluation and then the decision on what the Bucks want to do with Jameis moving forward – first of all, remember this is a two-way street unless you mm -hmm. use the franchise tag. So um, it, he said they probably could have a decision 
internally within a couple of weeks, but that doesn't mean we're going to tell anybody because yes. for strategic purposes, you're not going to. Why would you? Yeah, to. there's so no reason to. We may have to wait till March till we really know what the I, plan is. I think too is that this is a, you know, without being said, but I will say it. This is a huge franchise decision. You think? Yeah, just a tad. I would so agree it's with that. Not, it's not the it, same as a, as any other player. That there's a lot more layers of people involved in this kind of a decision. Right, and I say that from the very top because it's it's the owner's money to all the way down to how does this play out mm -hmm. and you know, the pros and the cons. So I, I, it, you know, you could argue this all day long one way or the other. I mean, when, when I discuss with people, I would say, if you think the three, po three possible paths are get him signed to a long-term deal, use a tag on him or let him go. Mm -hmm. Most of the people I talk to think that she'll come down in the middle and use a tag so you have one more year to figure it out. The only problem with the tag is you it's going to hit your cap hard, harder than if you decide a to do a, deal where you can a long it out. Yes. And if you're in that situation of would you say 19 people? Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you're trying to figure out, right, let's say you're only trying to find money seven. for six. Yeah. yeah. That could be so, tough because it just so happens to be on a year that there are so many free agents that the timing of that is unfortunate that, that it's Jameis and that, that Jameis and mm -hmm. all those and it's kind of like what we talked about that it just so happened, you know, the year before that you had Quan, Adam Humphreys, Jameis, Donovan, Alley, all these guys ending their rookie deals all at the same time. That if those That's a good draft. Yeah, that's <laughs> a great draft. But if those players had been sort of spread out, it would have been easier to keep more of them. It was the fact that it was all at Couldn't once. And 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 I I kind of chuckle whenever people say, Wow, go get this quarterback or go get that quarterback. <laughs> like they, they cost, grow on trees. <laughs> well, there you know, there's I mean, I'll I'll use a name like Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. If you go back and look at when he was in Minnesota, no one thought they were like, "You got to get rid of this guy." Well, he, no. but he was well. He was getting hurt a lot, so he, got he hurt couldn't play. One time, very, very badly. And then what happened? It took him a couple years to make it back. Right. So but I think he was a first round draft pick. Let's not forget. No, that's what I'm saying. But but that's what what I'm going at is you just don't know. You know, one well, minute at, you're high, one minute you're low, one here, minute. I'll but give you but I, any free agent quarterback right now is going to cost you money. Let, let, I'll give you what I think is a better example for what you're saying, and that would be Nick Foles. The Jaguars mm -hmm. paid there him you go. a bajillion dollars. I think that's what I heard the contract actually one said. Bajillion? Bajillion, bajillion. Yeah. 1.2 bajillion. Mm -hmm. And, um, well, and he now was they're MVP. in trouble. He was the MVP of the Super Bowl. He, and I, you know, he's he came a, off the bench. He's had more than just that. He's had, mm -hmm. he's had good, good years, and I could see why the Jaguars thought he could be the solution. But now they're on the hook, and they're not sure if, they, if he's their guy. So a it costs a, a whole lot, and but b let me, you're not, it's but let me ask you sure. a question. This 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 is kind of a year a year ago at this time they thought he was their guy. Yeah, that's my point. But I know. So how in a year's time is he not your guy? Well, he didn't play well. I understand, but perhaps they didn't play well. Well, that's true. So so I don't understand how in in one year you go from yes, I mean you do all this research, you do all or because the NFL to. is a what have you done for I me lately? Yeah, but it's kind of funny. Unfortunate. It's kind of funny that Nick Foles used to kill us no matter what team he was playing mm -hmm. for. He demolished us in several games, mm -hmm. and it was. It was us that kind of got him. I mean, yeah. we got him knocked out of the starting lineup. With, sure. With that just overwhelming. How rude that, that he game. hasn't, you know, publicly thanked us <laughs> yeah. for some of his success. But, 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 you know, I mean, what I think the, the, where, where Jacksonville is now, now that they have the clock set on the proper time, that'll change everything. 
You did you read about with that, Tom right? Coughlin yeah. being gone? I remember yeah. that. When that we, was the first big move. They made the time real time. I remember that from when we were there for uh, preseason when we mm-hmm. practiced there for a week, and that I thought I I was all confused about what time because I'd look at the clock and think it was time to like run out to practice or something, and then I'd look at my phone. And I was like, I don't know, what is happening? And I remember one of my friends that works for the Jaguars was the one that explained to me that, oh, yeah, he sets it ahead for you to get there to meetings early. He's, he's been doing that his whole career. I back, He started that back when he was with the Giants. Yeah. I don't think the teams generally end up liking it very much. Either. No. I can understand why. Uh, it, it reminds me uh, uncomfortably a little too much of toes on the line. Oh, don't Jeff. even start. <laughs> All right. One more question then. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yo, dogs. Yo, dogs. Read the article about how the Bucks rookies ranked in the NFL. I don't know if you guys saw that, but. Like first in forced fumbles, first mm-hmm. in touchdowns, first in interceptions, first in passes defense from the rookies alone. What do you think? Where do you think this draft class ranks among all those in team history? Oh gosh! Or, or is it too early to tell? Thanks and happy new year. AJ calls himself a displaced Bucks fan in Texas. Hey, your home state, Casey's home state. The greatest. Do you know AJ? I do. Yeah, we know. <laughs> we everybody in Texas knows each other. We have a Facebook group. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, obviously, he kind of. He kind of tipped it there. It is too early to tell, I think. But Yes. I, what is it? Three years is typically what you say about least, to evaluate yeah. a draft class? I think three years is right, yeah. That's um, fair. But it's certainly very promising. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, when you look at it, there's a couple of draft classes recently that are pretty promising. I mean, think of last year. You got Vita Vea and you got Alex Kappa. You got Carlton Davis, Jordan Whitehead. I mean. You forget, though. What? They for, You forget. And then uh, in 17, you got OJ, you got Chris Godwin. Unfortunate what happened to Kendall Beckwith, but it was a good pick. He would, I think that if it weren't yeah. for that car wreck, he would have made a massive difference on this defense. And so it's unfortunate because, to me, you should still give them credit for that, that being a great yeah, pick. Yeah, it's just unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, after that, you got to go back a ways to get to some good draft picks. But um, I don't know. The Obviously, the 1995 draft pick. Is probably, no, class is probably never going to be top because you got two two Hall of It's a little hard round. to top that. The rest of that draft really wasn't very productive, though. But it doesn't matter nowadays. That's an interesting point. How do you evaluate a draft of if let's say your first and second round picks are incredible and nothing else pans out, as compared to all of your picks pan out but none to the extreme? Like, which well, do you tend to go for of quality or quantity to consider a draft as successful? Well, as let possible? me ask you this: Which one would you want? Personally, I I almost want the one where you have more guys work out because again, with injuries in a season, you can lose one guy. But you did I, say the first two were incredible. Well, right. So, I guess it, it depends how incredible and how like mediocre or not the other. Like if everybody pans out, how well? You know, I mean, it's hard to kind of say that in general. But I I think I personally am, am a big believer in more potential yeah, people. overall. But I mean, when yeah. you get an but you two Hall of Famers, stars. that's I mean, yeah. somebody told you you can have Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks, and you knew they were going to be Hall of Famers. But you lose all the rest of your draft picks. You're going, okay. Well, I have to have one right. Yeah, I don't know if you look fair. at New England; they do quite quite nicely without top round picks. How about the Rams? They don't have a two, uh, first round pick until mm. 2022, and their cap situation is horrendous. Yes. Yeah, they're in a rough spot for the next few years, I think. All right. Well, that's all I got. Well, that's it. Thanks, Casey. Uh, yeah. Thanks, thanks for Casey. having me. This that was, was great. That was easy peasy. Done for the year. When when are we doing another one? A long sure. time from now. A long time. From Probably the, the salty dogs are going into hibernation. We're no, definitely not going to do the combine. Are you going to the combine? I always have to go to the combine. Uh, Look at how excited yeah, he is. Yeah. It's because he gets to hang out with me for a whole week. Yeah. That's that, lucky that's not dogs the bad you part. are, huh? The All bad right. part is that it's in Indianapolis. Yes, and it's oh, freezing. I like Indianapolis. If it was in May when do you in go Indianapolis, yeah. Whenever the team does, but it's a great little city. It's not a good place in late February. Nope.
you don't even have to go outside. I know. Everybody says that. It's all connected. Do. I will forever remember us having to stand outside and do one of our videos because, you know, we care about quality and we, for the sacrifice of the people, we'll stand in the cold if it's a good backdrop for us. And we are dying of cold. And Dan Quinn just goes jogging behind us in like shorts and a t-shirt. I was like, that's that's a flex right there. And he, he even said, he's like, hey guys, and just keeps on running. And then we're just so bundled. And yeah. he's out there running and smiling. First of all, smiling while running, already insane. And then in the freezing cold. So he's I was like- He's runner's high already. Yeah, he made us just feel like idiots out there freezing in the cold. But a lot of people have made me feel like an idiot. So. There you go. Well, well, Casey, thank you for taking yep, the time. Thanks, yes. Casey. Most thanks of the times our guests are here for 10 minutes. Yeah. She did a full hour. Yes, she did. Yep. And it was fun. It was a good year. We'll do it again next year, maybe. We'll have to check the charts and see how we... How we, we need to update the intro with some new plays. He hates me. Because it's more work for him. I think I'm going to eliminate the intro. Oh, really? Yeah. It would just go straight to us. That's how popular we are now. All right. Since you did, thanks for listening.